Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our latest episode of Trundle Bed Tales Podcast. Tonight is one of our Travel Times episodes, and it's going to be a little bit different tonight because we're going to be talking about a hobby. But before we get going with that, I just want to take a minute to do a little housekeeping. And remind everybody that uh, we have the chat room open, so if anybody wants to question or comment that way, you sure can. Also, if you want to call in with a question tonight, or if you just don't want to uh, have the compu- don't want to stream through the computer and want to listen through your phone instead, you can do that either by calling 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253 or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. And as always, uh, with any episode of Trundle Bed Tales, if you missed it right now, you can always check it out later, either streaming through the website itself, or you can download it for free from iTunes. And I wanted to make sure, give a shout out for our upcoming episodes, especially uh, we're going to be doing one Tuesday with Amy Ankrum, who uh, is the director at the Walnut Grove Museum, and we're going to be talking about Walnut Grove hosting the 40th anniversary of the Little House on the Prairie TV show event, which is going to be next July, and it's going to be great. And then uh, November 12th, we have a special afternoon program where we're going to talk uh, about the Passenger Pigeon Project. 2013 matches, um, is the centennial year since the last known passenger pigeon died, and they're doing a whole bunch of events in honor of that this year. And I think it will be very interesting to talk uh, to somebody more about that and what happened with the uh, bird you always hear reference, the Passenger Pigeon. Okay, and that should be about uh, that, so let's just finish up this housekeeping. And bring in our guest. Hello, thank you for coming to Travel Times and for giving us a second chance after our technical issues last time. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and get us started. Hi, I'm happy to be with you tonight. And my name is Mary Potter Kenyon, and I'm the author of the new book, Coupon Crazy, The Science, the Savings, and the Stories Behind America's Extreme Obsession. I live in Manchester, Iowa, and I have eight children, three who are still at home, and I've been a couponer, an avid couponer for over 30 years, and I write a coupon column for the Dubuque Telegraph Herald newspaper. So how did you get started couponing? Well, I like to say that I started when I was 10 years old because, um, like any avid reader, I don't know 
If you're an avid reader, you read whatever's around you. And at the breakfast table, I would read the cereal boxes. So um, at 10 years old, I was reading a Cheerios box and saw on the back that if you sent in some labels, you could get a free ball. And so I, for one thing, I wanted to encourage my mother to buy more Cheerios, but for another, I wanted to collect those free balls and get something free in the mail. So I would clip the coupons then in the paper for cereal because otherwise my mom would make oatmeal or fried potatoes or that kind of thing. So I started then um, at age 10, but when I got married in 1979, then I got more serious about it because we were both college students, started having babies, and the budget was pretty tight, and I thought that was that would be an easy way to maybe save some money. So uh, where did the idea of writing this book come from? It's a little different from a lot of couponing books because it isn't just how-to. It's also the history. Right. Um, I had written another book, and it wasn't selling, and it was about taking care of my husband during his cancer treatment. And my husband said, you know what, uh, why don't you get away from that book for a while and write something about something you really know a lot about, about couponing. And I said, well, there's a lot of books out there about how to coupon. And, you know, it's not rocket science. You don't need a lot of books on that subject. But then I started thinking, um, I was raised in a family of 10 children, and of those 10, I was the only one who got really involved with couponing. And I, I started thinking, well, my my degree was in psychology so of course I always wonder why not just how to but why so I thought well I could write a book about what is it about couponing that appeals to some people and to not others or what is it why do the manufacturers offer these coupons and um, why was it I I so obsessed about this and so I dug into I started digging into the history of couponing I started digging into the mindset of the manufacturers when they put out these coupons of um, the marketers and of the people. I interviewed over 60 couponers throughout the United States and, you know, looking for some commonality amongst us and, you know, what was it about our brains or, what you know, what is it that made us so interested in couponing. So my book, yes, is a more of a history of couponing. Um, and the, the research took, oh, maybe probably a good two years and then getting the book sold another year there. So um, it's really been in the making for at least three years. So you're looking at, in part, the history of couponing. When did coupons first develop? Well, it's funny because people think couponing is something new because of the extreme couponing show on television. That's one that really took off, and that was just a few years ago. But it's not. I mean, for me, it was over 30 years of couponing. I interviewed people who'd been, or yeah, couponing for you know 40 years. The first coupon was actually in the 1880s, and that was for Coca-Cola, for a cup of Coca-Cola, that a oh. beverage that was only selling nine glasses a day. And we all know how that kind of turned out because that's one of the <laughs> big sellers now is Coke. So that was in the um, 1880s, and then cereal companies, you know, followed suit. Soon after that, and I mean, it was a penny coupon for the grape nuts cereal, but back then a penny went a lot farther. So, cereal companies kind of jumped on the bandwagon then, and you know, then housewives in the 50s used coupons for their detergent. Not only that, but they were looking for premiums along with the things they were buying. So, if the soap had a certain, the detergent had a certain washcloth, then they might 
want to buy that one, you know. So it was it was kind of mixed mm-hmm. up in, with the um, refunding, which is a term people don't hear anymore, but um, premiums, you know, you could get T-shirts and balls. And like I told you, the Cheerios cereal is what got me into uh, it. But in the 80s, 1980s I'm talking about, not 1880s, but in the 1980s, 100 years after that first coupon, a lot of people who couponed also saved all their labels and did that refunding aspect of it, too, and that's what I was involved in as well. But, you know, couponing's been around a long time. It's not something new. So how have coupons changed over the years? Uh, I assume the amounts have gone up, but have it like the delivery systems changed or anything like that? Well, despite the fact that there are now Internet-printed coupons and coupons on your smartphones, 89% of our coupons still come through the newspapers, and that's great for the, <laughs> for the newspapers and for people like me who don't have a smartphone. Um, the amounts are changing, and the, um, there's actually fewer food coupons being distributed now, even though we really need a lot more food coupons because the price of food is going up, and there's more health and beauty so I tell people, like coupons, never, ever, ever pay full price for anything like shampoo or toothpaste or toothbrushes because there's always going to be coupons out for that kind of thing. And cereal, never, ever pay full price for cereal because there's going to be cereal and yogurt coupons. But it is a little bit harder than when I started couponing to find the food coupons. You'll see them on boxes. You'll see them on the packages, and that, those coupons can be really good too. But um, like I said, 89% of them come through the newspaper. I am seeing a big difference from in the 30-some years that I've been couponing after the Extreme Couponing Show came on television and more people were jumping on the bandwagon with coupons because these companies expect only 3% of these to be redeemed. And all of a sudden, more of them were being redeemed, and so the amounts were changing. Some of the I used to never pay more than a dime for toothpaste or toothbrushes. I have to go all the way up to 50 cents now because the amount of the coupon is going down and the price of the item is going up. And they might ask you to buy two things with the coupon instead of one thing. So I'm seeing a little bit of that. They're, they're testing the waters to see how, how much they can mess with those coupons and will still use them or will still use their product. But um, they really don't want more than 3% of those coupons being redeemed because they can't afford to have more than that being redeemed. So I like to look at it as a sale for only those people who are clipping the coupon, and that's kind of what it is. You know, you're getting that dollar off, but Joe down the street who didn't clip it isn't getting that dollar off. And, you know, if there's only 3% of the people doing that, then they'll keep offering them. So uh, you said you were interested in psychology. Do coupons really affect people's purchases? Do people buy things they don't want just because they have a coupon or do they go away from their favorite brand just because they have a coupon? Well, personally, I'm not brand loyal to anything. Um, If there's a coupon out and it's on sale, and especially if it's free or really cheap, I'm going to purchase that product. But it can get to the point, and I, I am guilty of it myself, especially in those years when the the couponing was a date for my husband and I, and we'd go on a date and see how much we could get for as little as possible. And so sometimes I was probably purchasing things I didn't really need or might not use. I would sometimes fill baskets for my mother or my adult kids of things that I'd gotten really cheap for gifts, maybe um, 
donate to the food pantry if it was you know it was it was kind of a game and mm-hmm. there are people who get so excited about clipping those coupons and using those coupons they might be buying the totino's pizza when they could make homemade pizza which is healthier and maybe in the end not much more expensive just because they have the coupon so there is a little psychology mixed in with it and it can edge over into hoarding too if you are um, picking up 40 boxes of pasta and you're not going to use 40 boxes of pasta just because you got it for two cents each you know so it, it was actually fun delving into all of that because and I had to look at myself too I had to look at myself under a microscope that I hadn't aimed at my you know my own hobby and by looking aiming it at other people and seeing these little you know going into the hoarding or using coupons just to use coupons and travel to the store 28 miles just to do some coupon shopping you know it doesn't always make sense but um i tell people i do couponing workshops too and i tell people you know you can get into this as much or as little as you want and you don't have to you're probably not going to be walking out of the store all the time with free stuff and that's what some people think oh i want to learn the extreme couponing i want to always have never pay anything you know that's that's really not the point i've actually had people disappointed i play a game during my coupon workshops and i say guess how much i paid for these things with coupons and there might be 10 items there and i actually had somebody get very upset with me when i said 48 cents she said you mean you paid something and i said well yes and she said isn't the point of using coupons to get everything free well no it's not and i'm thinking oh my gosh you know what is it that's part of the psychology too this free this idea of free and that's what got me enticed into it is i loved getting things in the mail money in the mail or checks in the mail or used to be a quarter taped to a index card i mean can you imagine that now um going through the mail a quarter taped to an index card but that's what it was you know back in the 70s you know so yeah there's psychology to be a lot more for you it used to be a lot yeah. more forgiving. I always remember yeah. um, the, the thing that always amazes me that was through the mail. People used to have um, keychains with their names and addresses on it, <laughs> and they could drop them in the mailbox if they lost them somewhere. People could drop them in the mailbox, and they'd wow. get back to you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there used to be all sorts. Okay, but that's that's a digression. So um, <laughs> you mentioned the extreme couponing. Now, uh, mm-hmm. that's the pretty popular tv show um mm-hmm. can you really uh well we have a saying well sorry we have a saying in our house that uh um the only um or that reality shows lie to you so how yes. accurate is that is is it really ex- uh, possible to get that um that free stuff and because if it's possible it, what, other places yeah. is it possible in iowa um, because we don't have double coupon stores, I know there's a couple, like a high V here, a tiny store here or there, that might double up to 50 cents, you know, but it's not like what you see on TV, and I have to repeat that over and over. That reality television is not our reality. And I was interviewed by no. them three different times, and I told them that. I said, I can't do that in Iowa. And they even said, well, if we fly you somewhere or we take you somewhere where they have double coupons, then you could you do it? And I said, well, yeah. Or if you took everything in your house that you have stockpiled and put it all in a small space, would it look like a lot? Well, yeah. You know, so, but that's not reality. And I, and I can do little mini sprees like that, even just to make myself feel better. I might do a little 
I can arrange my coupons and figure out the prices here and there. And you can even get free stuff with some of the coupons. A $3 big coupon means free razors at Walmart or a $2 Gillette shaving cream coupon. And those, those have both been out in the last few months. means free shaving cream at Walmart. So I can do that, and that's kind of fun for me to do. But I am not walking out of the store not having paid anything or, like you see on TV, $2,000, and they pay $24. You know, those are set-up shopping sprees, and some of those people do that. Some of those people spend 40 hours a week doing that in towns or states where there is this double or triple couponing. I talk to people who have triple coupon stores. And a woman in Pennsylvania I interviewed never pays more than a few dollars a week for her groceries. And she's doing that even though her seven children are raised and gone because she can. She can do that. And then they come shopping at her house in her basement. So, But, no, the extreme couponing show is not reality for most of us. It might be a few people's reality, but it is set up. And, unfortunately, yes. yeah, unfortunately, they're, sometimes the stores they even featured did not double coupon for other people. They just did it for the show, and that left bad feelings with their customers. But I don't think that show's even been picked up for another season. And and I am not surprised because there's only so much of that you can show, and then pretty soon people get tired of that, you know, the extreme. But there's yeah. also people who love watching hoarding shows, and they wouldn't dare or even think of hoarding, you know. So it, it's because it's a little bit wild and crazy that people are tuning in, even if they couldn't imagine doing that themselves. Yeah. We always uh, say that, you know, part of in the librarian field that information has value and people expect mm-hmm. to find it free and yeah i mean you probably could do things like that if you were willing to spend a huge amount of time researching but right then you spent a huge amount of time so it really isn't free right so. i did have some of my favorite cashiers say that after that show they had people coming in they had customers coming in expecting everything free and getting very upset and an attitude about it when they didn't. And, you know, that's unfortunate that they couldn't understand that's not really reality and you can't get everything free. You can get some things free. You can save money on your grocery bill. You can, you know, you can get, you can never pay more than 50 cents for toothpaste or toothbrushes. So that's reality. But not that television show, no. Okay, so what makes a person a devoted couponer? What, um, what is some of the tendencies they have? Well, um, it isn't necessarily that you grew up poor or that you have to save money, and that's something some people think. You know, couponers, oh, they, they must have to save money, or they, they're on a strict budget, or, you know, they grew up poor. And No, because the average couponer, the average person who uses coupons makes $70,000 a year. And I interviewed a woman who makes $500,000 a year and has fun using coupons, and just because it's fun. And then I interviewed a construction worker, a man, who during his lunch break would run and to Walgreens to get a free razor. You know, it was something he, fun that he did. So if you're looking at average, the average couponer makes $70,000. They're college educated. They read the newspaper, you know. So, um, but it's it varies. You know, it, it can be somebody who is on a budget or somebody who's just, you know, knows the value of a dime and wants to save some money. So I couldn't pigeonhole the couponer like I kind of intended to as I dug into this 
history and the mindset of people, I could not pigeonhole them as to, you know, this is what the average couponer is like. But there were those statistics available to me. And the people I talked to, like I said, one single mother who really, you know, she was picking up receipts on the ground to see if there was the coupons that came out of the cash register, another making $500,000. So it was this huge variability in the couponer. And so there was no set mindset either. Some of the people said, you know, I coupon because I get set, I've got ADD <laughs> and I center on something that's fun for me or I, uh, you know, I, I get obsessed about things and I decide to obsess about this. Other people, you know, I just want to save a dollar, you know. So there was no, like I said, I couldn't pigeonhole this, this idea of this is what a couponer looks like. Okay, what what do you have to know to get started couponing? Is there any basics that people should should have in mind to start? Um, I I I do these couponing workshops, but really, um, starting to coupon it's not rocket science. You can look on YouTube videos and see how to organize your coupons, or you can start like I did, with two white envelopes, one for food coupons, one for non-food coupons. Cut the coupons out, stick those in my purse, go to the store, remember, oh, I clipped something for that, or I clipped that. You know, and that's not real organized, but I would still save a little money every time I went to the grocery store. Or you can get really involved with it and, you know, really organize your coupons and dig around, ask your neighbors and your friends and your family, can I have your extra coupons, which I do ask people for their extra coupons. If they're not going to use them, I'd like to use them. Because I want to get 10 free toothpaste, not just one. I want to get five shampoos for 50 cents, not just one. So I do like to collect extra coupons. But once you start couponing, you'll kind of you'll see pads on the, the shelves of the store that maybe you didn't see before, and you're thinking, oh, there's coupons on the, on the shelves. Or you'll um, see them in the women's magazines, and you'll see them on the packages. And you'll, they're always, they've always been there, but until you get started and you might not be noticing them, Maybe it's well, on that's the true. itself. Yeah. When you when you, like when you realize something <laughs> there, you start pregnant. to see it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, is there any uh, connection or networking between people who coupon? Well, there used to be. There used to be a lot. There used to be, like, women's, there used to be magazines for the couponers and refunders and um, bulletins that went out, and one bulletin said she had 30,000 um, people subscribing to her bulletin at one time in the 80s. You know, so there was this connection or this network, and now it's Internet, so there's um, there's web websites and oh, boards that you can ask, you know, do you have this coupon or have you seen this or where's the best sale on this? Or Then there's websites certainly where Totally Target is one or Hip to Save, people that put out, um, they do a little of the legwork for you. They tell you what's on sale this week at Target or how you can use your coupons to save the most money and stuff. So there, there is this huge, you just type in coupon on, on the Internet and you will come up with all these sites that you could, you could spend all your day looking for sales or looking for websites that will help you save money. But it's, the bulletins are gone and the magazines are gone, but they're still online. There's still things online different websites you can check and there's a lot of them i mean so i in my book i do list some of my favorites that i check once in a while but it's not like it used to be where i would trade coupons with women throughout the united states and i had 14 ladies that we would i'd send coupons from iowa or or refund forms from iowa and they'd send 
coupons and refund forms from Pennsylvania because manufacturers do put out different amounts in Iowa than they might put in Pennsylvania. You might get higher value coupons somewhere else. So, um, but it's not like it used to be through the mail. Now it's on the Internet. Well, you talk a lot about refunding and refunders in in your book. Can you explain what refunding is and why you talk about it? I miss it. (laughs) I miss those days. It used to be like 800 different offers from manufacturers would be out. I mean, like March, would you might see 800 different offers from basketballs to T-shirts to $50 savings bonds. I got a little Tykes dollhouse once, um, little shoes for the baby. You know, they're just huggies, pampers, uh, Every Del Monte, all these companies would put out, because they want you to buy their product, they wanted you going out and buying their product, saving those labels and sending them in for these free things. And it used to be anywhere from a dollar refund to $10 refund. You know, and it, this was a huge thing, 70s, 80s, that so many people were doing. And But we all saved their labels. We'd flatten our boxes and we might have a whole room. I did. I had a whole room full of labels and stuff. And it was a little bit crazy and a lot of fun. And so the kids and I would go to the swimming pool, not to go swimming necessarily, but to dip our hands in the in the um, garbage can for those Hershey's wrappers because those kids wanted those free Hershey's T-shirts. And my Hershey's outfitted my family for years. And Huggies gave me the baby shoes. And it was just this huge thing that you do not hear about anymore. In fact, when I went to interview couponers, the new generation, and I used the word refund, they said, what are you talking about? They didn't know what I was talking about. And they said, oh, you mean a rebate? Because you'll see Staples rebates or, you know, you'll see a few rebates. But this term refunding is from that era of um, saving the labels. And, and then it got to be where people were doing things just like anything else that involves money. And this involved a lot of money sometimes. I used to get $100 back a month from what I had purchased or what from the labels in my room that I had saved a hundred dollars a month, but other people started doing it illegally, like changing their address or changing their name, and it was just this huge fraud. Always ruins everything, it seems like, and so companies were pulling out of doing that so much. And um, same with well, coupons. Well, it I is, hate it, it when a few people ruin things ruin for everybody. <laughs> for the rest of us, yes. And I, I actually understand why the companies have to change things and stop doing this or stop doing that. Or when the Internet printed coupons first came out and then people were messing with the numbers and fake Internet printed coupons were coming to stores and then they all stopped taking them for a while. And now the manufacturers learned how to code these coupons so that they know where they're coming from, what computer they're coming from. You can print out two, but there wasn't limits like that. And they, you know, it's kind of an evolving thing, the, the couponing is, and I expect to see more changes because they have to evolve with the. But I don't think they can just get rid of paper coupons like they, they would probably like to because there's too many people like me too many baby boomers especially who haven't jumped on the bandwagon of the smartphones or you know and they they still they love their coupons and JC Penney found that out last year when they pulled coupons they stopped putting out coupons and they ended up firing that CEO because they lost so much money and so many customers cuz customer people love coupons well um we're actually coming close to the end of the half hour so do you want to tell people again uh, about your book and where they can get it? 
You can find it at any Barnes and Noble, um, in any independent bookstore. You can find it on Amazon or through my publishing company, Familius. Um, it's sixteen ninety five. Um, of course, it's cheaper on Amazon, but <laughs> I, I like people to shop at your independent bookstores if you can. And I have another book coming out in the spring. It's the one that I was having all that angst about when I decided to write this one. It was. It's called Chemotherapist. How Cancer Cured a Marriage, and that will be coming out in April. And tell them the name of the coupon one again. Yes, it's Coupon Crazy, The there Science, The Savings, and the Stories Behind America's Extreme Obsession. And you also go out and do programs both uh, on the history of couponing on and how to. So if they want you to come to um, their library, a lot of Yep. I go to a lot of the libraries here in Iowa, and I do two-hour PowerPoint couponing workshop, and I do writing workshops as well, and I have a lot of fun with that. Okay. Well, uh, we're just about out of time. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention, or have we? Well, if anybody I... wants to get a hold of me, they can look on my website, too. It's just marypottercanyon.com. All right. Well, thank you for coming on tonight, Mary. I think we all learned a lot about couponing, and it is so great that uh, something that's got such a long history is still going on. Yes, it is, and I have a lot of fun with it, and I enjoyed talking to you. Well, well, thank you, and I hope everybody else will be here to join us again for the next episode of Trundle Bed Tales where we look at the... Walnut Grove Little House in the Prairie Reunion. We're really looking forward to that, and we will see you all then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.